I can describe Mickey Butler as a master tire technician. Is that a reasonable a, a, a way of describing you? I'm not sure many people say master, but tire technicians are all right. <laughs> now, come on. How long have you been involved with, obviously, with Dunlop, then with Dunlop, Goodyear Dunlop, and with touring cars? How many years now? I think I started, I'm trying to think now, when I started, 92. And then right. first involvement with British Touring Car was 96, obviously with Audi. Right. On and off, and then we had a little bit of a sabbatical for a while, then, I don't know, I've been there a few years, 27 years now. You've been a long time, obviously, but now you, yeah, well, too long, he says, I know. Um, just thinking about Formula One, and bearing in mind the fact that Formula One obviously was very much where Goodyear were, uh, in the years they were supplying tyres to Formula One, they were based in Wolverhampton, uh, there was, there was a great atmosphere there, but it was all operated out of Wolverhampton. And what I can remember also, of course, is the blimps, the dirigibles that used to come to the Grand Prix and stuff like that. And this was all part and parcel of really what Goodyear's history was about, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I didn't realise how strong a brand it was. Obviously, now getting involved with it the last 18 months more, how long a stronger brand it is worldwide. You know, they've got plans to, you know send the blimp back up again it'll be you know coming to the uk and over europe again um so it is a strong brand an iconic brand absolutely and i mean that was very much the atmosphere that we had around formula one and those and i mean barry griffin was very much at the forefront of what was going on in wolverhampton but then obviously they'd shut the the the, the tire operation for tory for for uh, for the for the Formula One cars going back to, what, 1998. So, I mean, in many ways, that was the end of a, a very successful run uh, for Goodyear in, in Formula One. Yeah, and a very costly one, I was told. I've no doubt. I've no doubt. I've no doubt. Uh, well, when, did, when did Goodyear and Dunlop get together? When did that sort 99? of... Sorry? 1999. Goodyear so it was 1999 when you got together, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And, of yeah. course, in, the, in those yeah. days... Sorry, say again. See, people just still don't realise today that Goodyear kind of owned Dunlop, or they own the rights to the Dunlop brand in Europe and the UK. Right, okay. And of course, the one thing that we always remember is that iconic building on the southbound side of the M6 going out of Birmingham, Fort Dunlop. I mean, that was, that was a big employer for, for Dunlop in the days when they were operating out of there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people realise what impact it had on the, the local community and how these people you know used to work there in Tayday. I mean my father worked there a lot of friends family worked there it, it, when I first started there I think it was seven eight thousand people on that side to learn absolutely you know, truck tires and it was quite incredible and you know it, it was their own you know their own shops there their own fire service there their own security you know, it, it, it was it was like a town within itself mm. uh, very sad day when it all closed and of course, it, it, I mean, it stands there as a sort of, if you like, a monument to, to Dunlop and Fort Dunlop as it was. I mean, Travel Lodge now, but the building is still there. And I think that's the important thing is that that building has remained in place and still represents what was the history of, of Dunlop tyres. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's still, it's still a reminder to what the heyday of what it was and what people did there. And yeah, it's, it's a sad reminder sometimes, but it, it's part of history now, isn't it? 
Absolutely. I mean, uh, Dunlop in touring cars from 2003 in, in real terms, but I mean, we're talking about obviously Goodyear now coming in and running the championship tyre, uh, if you like, supply. But you've had a chance, obviously, to do some testing before the start of the season this weekend. Um, and going out and testing the tyres for the first time, are they any different in many ways to the way the Dunlop tyres were last year? All I can say is, the team's data from last year will be very useful this year. They're very compatible between the two. We're look, we're not going to use, you know, all the information we've learned over the years we've done last. We're not going to change everything overnight. Absolutely. So, you know, everything we've learned from that brand will go into the next brand. So, and it'd be unfair to swap drastically change anything and everything for the teams, having that, you know, especially now, um, when they've built up a good database of the current tyre. Mm. So we will change things going forward. If you know, you know, we'll look to develop. But at the moment, we, you know, we, we just want to go with what we know. It's safe. Um, you know, we've had to make some ch- drastic changes to this season. We're only going to run with the one compound now, apart from Thruxton. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, for cost implications, safe things for the team. So, yeah. What about the tyres themselves? I mean, there will be a, obviously a standard wet tyre, but what about the sort of slick tyres? What range of, of tyres will the teams have to work with during this, this sort of rather truncated season? Well, at the moment, they're just going to run with a medium compound, apart from Truxton, where we have to go with you know a stronger compound due to the nature of the circuit. So you, there would have been three pre-COVID. Um, we've dropped it down to two, and for eight of the rounds, they're only going to use the one compound. Well, you know, otherwise it would have been option tyres. So we've dropped all the option tyres this year just to make life easier because we've got to run with reduced staff in the pit line. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, it's it's not an easy time for everybody, is it? Mm. I mean, the point is that everybody's now sort of got round the problem. I mean, we've got a championship coming up this weekend and we're going to see probably most of the rounds run, which is fantastic. We've got pretty much all the cars out on the circuit. I mean, it's a great testament to, to the efforts behind the scenes with British Touring Car Championship, the organisers, the management team, and obviously you guys doing what you want as well. I mean, you're, you're, you, the whole essence of touring cars is we're not going to be beaten by anything. And in many ways, coronavirus certainly hasn't uh, interrupted you getting a season together. No, I mean, we're very fortunate. I think it's going to be a tough season. You know, in, you know, to do nine rounds in a short space of time is going to be demanding everybody, and I think the teams are going to feel it. With sponge, you know, people losing sponsorship deals and one thing that we do is going to be very tough. Mm. Um, but I do think the next eighteen months, two years, are going to be very, very tough. Yes, well, I think that's probably the case. But, I mean, again, you know, the fact that it's there and people can get to it. I mean, okay, the, the fans obviously would like to come in their, in their thousands to the race circuits. Obviously, the situation of the circuit is going to change quite dramatically from that point of view. But the one thing that we have in our favour is we have this Sunday uh, exclusive television package with ITV, which, which it counts for so much, doesn't it? Oh, it's tremendous. The package we have with ITV and... You know, the event that's put on, you know, I have so many calls saying, is it still going to be on TV? Once it, yes, it's still going to be, oh, we've got something to look forward to. And, you know, it's, it's everything, it's everything that you could wish for from a TV package of the people, you know, commentating what they're doing, mm. the reports in the pit lane, not what they're doing, they know the history. 
and, and to me it's a great TV program. Absolutely. Talking to Colin, of course, today as well, which was nice. And of course, he's now matched Andy Rouse's uh, record. I mean, great for Colin. I mean, he had, he had, the Brands Hatch finale, basically, you would have said Dan Kamich, possibly, maybe Andrew Jordan. And really, the one man that probably was most li unlikely to maybe win it at the end of the day was Colin, but he managed to come through and take the title. We've now moved on. I mean, okay, Andy Rouse had four titles and held those for a lot of years, but we've actually moved on from there now. And we We've now got, if you like, a current touring car champion with four titles. And we can only move forward now. He can only go forward and make a fifth and a sixth or whatever. But we've got something to look forward to from that point of view as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody could have risked that last round, the highs and lows. You know, he was quite incredible. And I did have somebody commentate to and he's always stuck in the back of my mind. He said, yeah, that was a better script than Emma Dale. That last round, that last race event, it was just incredible. Mm. You know, the cheers, the highs, the lows, the tears, it was just phenomenal. I think what, what interested me was the fact that Nat Neal got involved with a bit of a cluster with, uh, with Colin, which in many ways people thought, well, that was the end of the day for Colin. And then Dan Kamish possibly was sitting on the very brink of taking the title. And then he had, <laughs> he had a brake problem or something, didn't he? Yeah, 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 brake earlier. I mean, amazing. I mean, you know, you you couldn't have written. I don't think anybody could have even have written no. that story in no. terms of the way that thing worked out. No, no nobody can write it. And I sort of said, absolutely, to me, you couldn't have written that. It was better than Emmerdale. It was quite incredible. Absolutely. Now, are you looking forward to the forthcoming season starting this weekend at Donington Park? Um, yes and no. If I'm being honest, it's. We're all in this new, strange world, strange environment. It would be good back to see some familiar faces, all boy behind masks. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose once the first race is underway and it's done, you'll get back more into rhythm. But the logistics, the stuff we have to put in place now, you know, preventative stuff for COVID nineteen. Mm. It's it's kind of took the bit of gloss off it all. You know what I mean? And think. But, I mean, you know, if you the, think paddock, the paddock is a friendly place. You know, you like to see people's faces. Everybody stops talking mm -hmm. to each other. You know, we're all in our own separate bubbles now. We can't go to garages. We've got face masks on. And which I understand I fully support is what we need to do going forward. But mm, a little bit apprehensive, but, and I'm sure it'll be good for TV mm -hmm. viewers. Interesting. But as I say, it's going to be an interesting situation to deal with. But on the other hand, we're there and we're going to be about and whatever. Of course, no more bright yellow and black um, Dunlop vehicles. It's all going to be very classy blue and, and, the, and the lovely Goodyear logo on the side of the vehicle. Um, that in itself is, is, a, is a, a sort of refresher in some respects, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, first time really saw the trucks ready with media day and, and I thought the presence the look was fabulous um, but we, you know this weekend coming we're going to build a, a massive Goodyear village because obviously many are there as well for the first time on the package and they're all going to be running Goodyear so we're going to build a, a big 20 metre square village how oh, lovely which will be quite you know an you know spectacle to people to see and mm. so that'll be interesting but um, it looks Superb, you know, with all the new uniform, it looks very modern. Very, it definitely give everybody a lift, a lift. But you know, please, please, people, the Dunlop brand hasn't 
hasn't disappeared. It ha- Dunlop brand is still our heritage brand. We're still going to use it in motorcycle go-karting, mm. race series. We'll all stay Dunlop, and Dunlop will never, you know, go from our portfolio. I mean, it's, it's a massive in historic racing. We'll stay in historic racing, so... Because the Dunlop, the Dunlop name, of course, will stay associated with the Touring Car Trophy, which is really, if you like, a sort of stepping, a stepping stone for drivers who want to get an experience of driving maybe one of the older touring cars. But, I mean, that particular series is, is very much a sort of feeder series, isn't it, with Dunlop's name attached to it? Yeah, I mean, that was a plan. It was always somewhere for somebody to learn the craft because over the years I've seen guys come in from different other championships and it's... It's a very hard championship to just step in and think you're going to be quick, you know. And I've seen many people come, welter under the pressure, and then go away. Mm. What I'd hope to do with CCT was one thing is have a, a lower end where people can race these cars and start learning the craft, get mm. the mileage. So when all of a sudden they jump up, and it's still a jump, don't get me wrong, they understand the machinery, they understand the tyres, they understand how this will work. What to get, you, you know what I mean? So make it a stepping stone, and you know he looks likes of Henry Neil. Now he's doing that as well. He's you know he's getting mileage under his belt, and had a first and a second last weekend at Alton Park. There's some good little drivers in there, mm. you know, who haven't got the budget, but one half that you know we will learn our craft in touring car. Well, I mean, Lewis Kent was one name that sort of surfaced out of all of this. Who probably nobody had ever heard of Lewis Kent until he came on the scene. I've got a lot of time for Lewis. I mm. think he's matured I mean the first time I dealt with him was last year um, you know Tom you know built up a kind of relationship spoke to him you know spoke to the guys what they're doing he's a quick guy he's a really really quick guy mm. um, would I like to see him in British Touring Car absolutely would I think he could rattle a few feathers absolutely mm. but he's you know you've got to be in the right machinery you know, the new BMW and the new Honda moved the goalposts. And I think Ford have stepped up to it. I think they've built, created a lovely bit of new kit. So that'd be interesting to see how that goes the weekend at Dunnington. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see Lewis Kent on the on the grid in Turing Car. And I think also the nice thing for the, the Neil family, bearing in mind we've got three generations. We've got Steve, we've obviously got Matt, we've got Matt with his two boys, obviously. So three generations of the Neils in, involved. Obviously Steve raced, Matt's still racing, and Henry is making his name for himself. I think Will's probably stepping back a little bit more and behind the scenes. But I mean, Henry's obviously, again, got a lot of his dad's talent already. Yeah, He's, um, he has got some talent. I don't think he uses it in the right way sometimes. Uh, <laughs> You're being too honest now, Missy, come on. No, no, but I mean, you got to remember, he's, he's, I don't think people give... Matt's a very skillful driver. He's very smooth, he's very methodical, and you don't do the amount of racing he's done over many years. When You, you know, he's got a, a talent. Henry's still learning his trade, you know what I mean? And he's still... I mean, but he's got the best coach in the world, his dad. Mm. He's, and, and the bit, but the hardest thing to learn is racecraft. Yeah. And underscore, and, and I keep saying this: this is only over the years the British touring car, and, it, and over the last three, four years, I've noticed it more and more. There's only so many drivers on that grid know how to set the car up and what makes things work. Mm. And it's for me, it's, for me, it's like a dying art. 
understand what the car is doing, how to set the car up, what makes the car tick. You know, you've got these engineers now look at laptops and say, well, this should be doing this. And I, mean, I always go back to, well, look at the four things that are on the, on the, on the surface, on the tarmac. Look how they're working. That will give you an indication yeah. of the direction you need to go. Um, I mean, you can look at, spend all your time looking at the sort of information that's coming at you, data that's coming at you from a laptop, but that's not going to alter the situation when you get on the track. It was interesting talking to Dan Kamish. I mean, Dan had a lot of success in Porsche Carrera Cup, didn't he, for a number of years, yeah? He yeah, came yeah. to the touring cars, and the one thing I said, well, you know, tell me, what, what was it about touring cars that you, you, you didn't know? And he said, or didn't understand, bearing in mind your success in Porsche Carrera Cup, he said, racecraft. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I've learned or had to learn racecraft. Mm-hmm. And there, that says an awful lot about maybe Dan Kamish's driving. I don't know whether he's actually using that racecraft, but it was the fact that Porsche Carrera Cup didn't give him the same desire or need, more importantly, the need to learn racecraft. And yeah, clearly that is, that is one, one, one aspect of the touring cars, which in many ways shows itself with the, the less experienced guys. And even, but also it shows the experienced guys are actually doing what they need to do to get the very best out of every race they do in the touring cars. Mm. I mean, I've had this conversation with Dan, you know, and I followed him from Formula Ford and immediately we won the prize drive and, and I followed him in, in his Porsche Crowd Cup. Trouble was, he was quick and he was on front. Then he was out in front. So he was always controlling the race. You're not always going to be out in front in touring car. You're going to have to battle. You're going to have to stick your arms out. You're going to learn. And I think that he'll openly admit it. He wasn't expecting that. Mm. You know. You know. You go back two years. You know, thirty cars in the grid, and there was I mean, we had seventeen, eighteen different winners. You have to battle for every place. You have to battle. Nobody's going to give you anything in this championship. Mm. So. And you've got to be consistent. Dan was last year. You got more and more consistent. So, but yeah, I think that it's been a he's learnt more being in touring cars and maybe the rest of his career. Because of course, racecraft as well. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is, when you look at touring car racing, you know, you get you get clutches of drivers. You get the front end of the, you get the middle field, you get the end field, but there's different sort of strategy going on within those sections on the racetrack itself. But when you see maybe three or four cars <laughs> barreling up to a, to a corner at Donington Park or Thruxton or whatever else it might be, you just think, well, and I've often said this to drive, where does racecraft come into that? You said, well, you, and they are sort of saying, well, you'd be surprised how you use the racecraft to get the benefit of getting out of that problem. Yeah, no, no. I tell you, what, at Silston on the national circuit, I stood up at turn one, went on the pit wall, walked to the end, or a couple of years ago now, I stood there and I watched, and there was ten of them yeah. in a line mm. coming through that corner. Wonderful. Half, less than half a metre in between them. And they braked and they went for it. It was just incredible. And I thought, well, you know, there's a championship on top form. Mm. There's, there's, you know, drivers at their peak, knowing what they're doing and on it. And it was quite impress- impressive. Fantastic stuff. Anyway, look, we've got a lot to look forward to this weekend. I hope it all goes well for everybody at Donington Park. Um, I'm going to be sort of sitting on the sidelines, but can I just say a big thank you to you. It's a pleasure to chat, and we'll obviously keep up in touch during the season, if that's okay with you, yes? Yeah, no problem at all. That's fine.